Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloff. I'm editor of the Transcript, along with Eric McKay, who's our lead author. We sent out a new issue of the Transcript newsletter yesterday. And the biggest thing of last week was that the Federal Reserve raised interest rates by half a percent. It was a fairly large increase as it goes for the last couple of decades for the Fed. And markets have reacted rather negatively. I think we're seeing that people are starting to price in the end of the low interest rate era. And we found a number of quotes of people talking about the adjustments ahead that are needed. I think we all got used to a zero cost of money and low inflation environment. And when that happens, if the 10-year interest rate matches the inflation rate, which is what it would have in other eras, that's a very high inflation or, uh, interest rate. Even if we don't really get to that, you would expect that stock multiples would come down by quite a bit structurally if interest rates are going to stay up in a, in a higher level. And so we certainly don't seem like we're getting a, a full handle on inflation where the Fed is still only focused on moving to a neutral rate, let alone a restrictive rate. And so I think that financial markets are grappling with what's coming up next. Eric, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think the biggest news, of course, is the raising of the rates. And then that was on, on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, the markets have been sinking ever since uh, Thursday, Friday, brutal days in the markets. Uh, some of the stocks I follow and which I'm also invested in are down almost 50%. So Shopify is down 72% this year. And the CEOs on Twitter has been on Twitter this past week. Wage a war against analysts, kind of. He thinks that they are the ones who are responsible for this. But all in all, you can see like the, the stock market is uh, shaken a little bit. I think the combination of rising, ra- uh, rising rates, um, inflation, and all these uh, supply issues and de- very high demand, I think has created such a such a such a potent mix, which is really hard to deceive where the markets are headed. So my the most interesting aspect that I saw were the four quotes that we have up under end of an era. Well, first of all, Paul Tudor Jones was being asked what he would do with the Fed. And then he said he actually he would tell the Fed chair to look for a different job. Such is the task that is that he knows awaits ahead. So I think the four quotes are about a change at the end of an era, uh, kind of like the era of easy monetary policies, uh, a lot of free money. I think now finally kind of the markets are being wind of it and it's it's a tough times. So I think it's, uh, it's kind of the baby that is, you know, being wind and at the same time they're throwing tantrums. Uh, so it's going to be a very difficult period ahead from what I can tell. So I think you, you saw that quote by benchmark capital partner, a general partner, Bill Gurley saying that an entire generation of entrepreneurs and tech investors they built their entire perspective and valuation during the second half of a 13-year of a amazing bull run, market run. So for some of us, this is our first experience now of the end of the bull run and then an entry into kind of a bear market. Uh, and it's been brutal, though. I don't, I don't check my portfolio every so often now because it's, it's brutally tough. But then, like, but you experienced 2008. How is it like being in such a scenario, though? Like... Uh, I mean, right now it's not the housing bubble or anything, just the markets are having like such a terrible time. What do you do in such a period as an investor though? Yeah, it's, this is a different sort of bear market that we seem to be entering than we've seen in the 21st century, really, as it's an inflation-driven multiple compression, interest rate rising bear market. There's still, for me, it's still hard to believe that we're really going to go 
uh, back into a higher interest rate regime so quickly. I think the economy, the real economy, has not really reacted to what's going on in capital markets. I think it probably will. But then the question is, what happens when you have a recession starting? How will the Federal Reserve react to that? And Jerome Powell indicated that the Federal Reserve is willing to take some pain, probably some valuation adjustment pain. But if unemployment rates start rising, it would seem that the Fed would probably stop, step in and move into a more easy posture. And this is actually the experience of inflation that was closer to what took place in the, in the 20th century, um, especially in the 60s and 70s, where the inflationary period that started in 1966 through 1980 wasn't actually just one monolithic inflation period. There was a lot of high inflation throughout that period. But what you would really see is the Fed would loosen and then the economy would, would start to perform well again. You would get inflation starting to build and then the, the Fed would would tighten again. So you have this zigzagging pattern of easy money, tighter policy, easy money, tighter policy. And that's what really ratcheted up interest rates over a long period of time. So if we really are turning into a world where there is an inflationary world rather than a disinflationary, uh, deflationary world, one would expect interest rates to normalize over a much longer period of time because of the Fed reaction function. I mean, speaking of unemployment, by the way, one of the issue, one of the issues that you picked on last week about Facebook have, having issues also uh, re- with with the retention of employees, and I think that was picked up on by one of the I think it was a, there was a quote here by third point CEO Dan Lobb who's saying that in during these kind of difficult times, there there are retention issues that they, they, they there are issues with stock based compensation packages that have been dished out to a lot of tech employees, and that may cause a bit of a problem going forward as valuations sink and some of their, uh, you know, like some of the some of the stock-based compensation that they have actually just with tanks at the end of the day. Do you think that would have an impact long-term? Uh, was this was there something similar perhaps in the past that you could reference? It certainly could. I think I was trying to think this weekend about what this recession could look like relative to past recessions. And I was thinking to myself, where's the bubble this time around? And on the one hand, we don't have any immediate term bubble, but we have a very significant long-term bubble in that the economy actually has structurally changed and structurally oriented itself around these higher growth technology companies that benefited from low interest rates. You also have, that's like the 15 year cycle, that's going back to 2008. And then even beyond that, you really have going back to 1980, a 40-year cycle of low interest rates or declining interest rates leading to more debt accumulation and like moderate inflation environment. I'm not ready to, again, I'm not ready to believe that policymakers have really changed so dramatically that they're going to disincentivize these things. I think the most likely thing is still that like, we'll tiptoe to the edge the Fed will get scared, the Fed will start to ease again. And then nine months, maybe 18 months later, you'll start to see a pickup in inflation. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Anything else that you may have picked up? Uh, Perhaps for me, something that stood out was definitely about what's happening in China. It doesn't get a lot of coverage this this season, but I think it's it's, uh, it's something that is impacting a lot of companies with exposure to China. And I think a couple of companies referenced the way the the scale of the kind of lockdowns that they're having in China, which is unprecedented. 
the president himself was also very clear that they they really want to nail this COVID. In the past, I think at the beginning of the COVID, it started there and then spread around the world. And a lot of people ignored it. I'm not so sure if we are doing the same this time in terms of ignoring the impact that might have in the near term. So I don't know. But reading the quotes, I got really scared on what is happening in that part of the world also. Yeah, I think the fact that hundreds of millions of people are under lockdown in China is something that was striking to me as well and not something that I've been tracking so closely. Again, the supply chain implications are the things from an economic standpoint that stand out when China's in lockdown. It's a perpetuation of these supply chain problems that we've had. We did see one quote from Wayfair, which was very interesting to me, saying that their supply chain problems are getting a little bit better. And one of the reasons that they said that their supply chains are getting better is because they're seeing some demand soften. So I'm really focused here on looking at the real economy, what's happening in the real economy. Right now, we aren't seeing massive signs of slowdown in terms of consumer spending, in terms of private capital market transactions, in terms of like housing, you're seeing demand fall, but there's still not a lot of supply. You're not exactly seeing like a collapse in the housing market. And so even among these early stage, early cyclical um, industries, you're not seeing an impact to the real economy yet. And that's going to be the most important input to the Fed reaction function, probably in terms of when they go from tightening policy towards more of a neutral or easing stance. All right. Um, Something else I picked up also was about the, maybe I would start with some two things from the tech section. One is about the the TSMC founder kind of discouraging the US from trying to set up uh, their own foundry. I thought it was a bit self-serving, but he had some really good points in terms of they've tried the same what the US is trying and it's not been it's not been successful in the sense that whatever they produce because of the higher pro, uh, labor costs in the US then they produce the same semiconductors but uh, the pricing points means that the margins are lower uh, for them who are producing in the US i think that was the first thing and then the second thing was also about amd hitting an inflection point so uh, for a long while i think amd has been weighed down by negative investor sentiment, but then the CEO seems to be saying that they are, they're on a good trajectory uh, going forward and they're taking advantage, of course, full advantage of the fact that they, the semiconductor shortage actually produce. And uh, I think they're expecting to have a really, really good year. So it's a company which it would be interesting for anyone who's uh, an investor to just dig in a little bit and see what exactly uh, is underneath that. So I think those, those were the two things that stood out for me from the tech section. Any comments on that? Yeah, yeah. The one other quote in the tech section that you didn't hit was the GPU prices moderating, which is a potential really important negative catalyst for NVIDIA, which is a $500 billion market cap. Like, I have a long bias, not a short bias, so I wouldn't go out and short NVIDIA, but these sorts of quotes really stand out to me when they, when they come out. And for NVIDIA shareholders, that is something that you should probably be taking a look at and watching closely. Hmm. And maybe a final comment, maybe I would ask you about the housing market quotes, about also uh, a moderation there in terms of demand, slight moderation. Have we hit peak yet? I mean, mortgage rates are at like five and a half percent now. They were in the twos at the beginning of this year or December of last year. That's a major impact to housing markets. And I just, you know, I, I look at Redfin every once in a while and see what's going on. I'm seeing houses stay on the market a little bit longer 
certainly purchasing power has declined a lot, not only in terms of those interest rates, but also if you've been saving money and it's invested in the stock market, it's probably down about 20% this year. So again, I would expect given the magnitude of dislocations that are happening in capital markets, we're going to start to see real economy impacts over the next, call it four to eight weeks. And we'll, we'll be tracking that. Kind of a cascading effect from that. Um, I would say. So I think that's that'd be a good place to close out for this week. Uh, I think next week we are having the the our quarterly spaces uh, next week. So looking forward to that, to discussing at least some of the key things that we picked up from earnings calls this season. Uh, so for today, thank you so much. We'll see you again uh, next week. Bye. Thanks, everyone.